Welcome to our, our first session of Followology. We'll explain what that means more in a moment. But first of all, let me call your attention to your uh, uh, notes and your prayer guide. Now, we'll have an outline from time to time on here, but tonight it's just blank for you to fill in. But I call attention to our prayer concerns down there uh, at, um, at the bottom. You can pray for all of those. Uh, with the family of Faye Bennett, uh, she actually passed away on the 21st, but we just found out about that, so you join us in that concern. And uh, Gail is home. Uh, she has a couple of nodules. We'll find out more about that. Uh, a little later. So these are our prayer concerns for uh, tonight and many others, I'm sure. But let's take a moment as we begin and just lifting them before the Lord. Father, I really believe that we're never more like your children than we pray one for another. And that's what you talk, call us to do. That's one of those one another's we get to enjoy so very much. Tonight, Lord, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just some things that have come to our attention in the last few days or updates and such. But, Father, we lift all of those not only on our printed list, but those that are dear to our heart. Sometimes there are things on our heart, Lord, that we can't even speak, or we can't speak publicly like this. But they're deep, deep concerns that we share. And I thank you that we can pray for one another. We can lift up one another. We can bear one another's burdens. And so we come to you tonight on behalf of these and others that are just precious, precious to our heart, asking you, Lord, to intervene in their lives in a unique way that you know specifically fits those needs. Thank you, Father. We just bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Well, I want you to have your Bible or your device close by. Uh, I'll be calling on various ones from time to time to, uh, uh, to read a scripture. We're going to do some Bible drill. How many of you remember Bible drills? Okay. All right. You know, we're going we're gonna to do uh, some of that in a little bit. And when you get to a passage, we'll ask you to read it there. Go to Josiah. You, you, you know the pose and everything. Let me be the first one to inform you, if you haven't figured this out already, Followology is not a word, okay? It's mine. <laughs> I made it up. <laughs> but uh, as you know, that suffix O-L-O-G-Y-ology means the study of. And so biology is the study of life, the study of life forms and such. Uh, cosmology is the study of how things began, how the universe began. Eschatology is the study of how it will all end, uh, Revelation and Daniel and all of those things pulled together. So followology is the study of what it means to follow, what it means to follow hard after Jesus Christ. This is the most basic call that Jesus utters for his disciples. So, okay, get your Bibles ready. And uh, the first one I want you to go to is find John chapter 10, 27. John 10, 27, and when you have it, raise your hand. John 10, 27. Okay, Rick, back over here. There you go. Now, don't read it yet, but hold on to it. <laughs> the first passage I want to remind you of is one that you've heard me quote often, and that's in Luke 9, 23, where Jesus said to him all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. All right? And then here, Rick, read 10, 10 27 for me. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. By nature, his sheep follow their shepherd, okay? Now, as Jesus 
began to call various ones. We see these same uh, phrases used. John chapter 1, 43. Go. John chapter 1, verse 43. Okay, Becky? So Jesus found Philip, and what was the, the two words he uttered? Simply, follow me. And we have a similar situation we have in, in uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 9. Matthew 4, 9, go. Matthew 4, 19, pardon me, 19. And this is where he saw the brothers, James and John, and also Peter. Matthew 4, 19, who has that? Okay, right here. Okay, or some of you memorize that in the King James, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The same phrase, follow me. All right, and then in the, in the same vein, he talked to Matthew, the tax collector. He passed from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. So this is the basic call that Jesus made to, to everyone that physically followed him, and this was a call to the rest of us as well. And this was something that was absolutely imperative to him, so important to him, no business was higher. Here's our next passage, Matthew 8, 21 and 22. Go. Matthew 8, 21 and 22. Raise a hand. Okay, yeah. said, first let me go and let me bury my father, and then I'll come and follow you. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Your business is to follow me. Now, he seems very, very mean and cruel right here. But what the man was actually asking was, my father just died, let me go to the funeral. He wasn't saying that. He's saying, my father's still alive, wait till he dies and I get the inheritance and I'll be able to follow you. That's the, the setting of what's really being said right there. But Jesus was saying, the imperative is in following me regardless of what's going on with family. So plainly put, just simply, simply put, the, the command of Jesus is follow me. Now, I, I have a preference that I have changed over the years. In my early days, I was very proud to identify myself as a Christian. I called myself a Christian. But in the world in which we're living, in the time in which we're living right now, that is really more of a religious affiliation that it is a description of who we are. Now, our generation, it's still very much a description of who we are. But in the world today, so I have coined another phrase. I, it's not original to me, but I've coined it as my own. And that is a Christ follower. And I'll ask people from time to time, are you a Christ follower? Because, you know, asking somebody if they're a Christian, it doesn't really say anything. Now, when we could still go up in the neighborhood and go knocking on doors and people come to the door and you share some about Christ with them. Uh, we were doing that in our neighborhood and I knocked on the door. A lady came to the door. I happened to be in Macon, Georgia at the time. And I said, ma'am, I was wondering, could you tell me, are you a Christian? And she huffed up. She was so upset. She said, young man, I have you know that I was born right here in Macon. Macon doesn't make you a Christian because I was born there too. 
But see, it's, it's been associated with uh, a life in the South or uh, a, a cultural uh, kind of a feeling about things. And so I, I suggest to you maybe a better phrase is that of a Christ follower because it describes what we do. It describes our orientation. So if followology is the study of following, what we're going to be talking about is what does following Jesus look like? How does that flesh out in a practical day-to-day life? So that's the very practical orientation is what we're going to be doing here. And we're going to methodically going through a lot of things over the period of time that I'm here. The, tonight is just a quick overview, a broad brush stroke of what we'll be following. What does it look like to follow Jesus? Well, what did it look like here for, for Philip and for Matthew and for James and John? And, and what did they do? They left what they were doing physically. They left their nets. They left their, their uh, uh, tax collecting. And they physically got up and they followed after Jesus. Yes, they physically followed a physical Jesus. But there was a reason they followed a physical Jesus. They were looking for something. They were looking for answers. They were, they were wanting to experience who this man was and, and see what he was doing in the lives of people. They were longing for something, a change here in the depths of, of who they were. So, yes, they physically followed him, but what they were looking for was something beyond the physical. Now, there were some that followed him just looking for the physical, uh, remember when, when the many came after them and, and uh, you know, he said, set them down and he, he fed the 5,000 and such and then sent them away and then he disappeared. Well, they showed up again and, and they were wanting to, something else to eat. They were looking for, for, for a physical thing or they were looking for the next trick, miracle that he would do. So there were some that were following him for ulterior motives, to be sure. But especially those that would really be Christ followers were hungry not so much for the physical as they were for what that physical would bring. Now, you and I have all of the spiritual things that those disciples had. What we lack is the physical, and that's why we long for the physical so very much. But we follow Christ for the same reasons. We have questions. We have pain and agony that we can't understand. We need to know we're close to Him. We need to experience His presence. We long for a miracle in our lives and the lives of others and to see Him moving in our world. And so you see, the same reasons that they followed Jesus are the reasons that we are Christ followers today. The distinction is in the physical, but even there, there is a physical aspect of us following after Christ. And I'll get to that in a minute. So followology, what does it look like? How do we practically follow Jesus? What does it look like, feel like? What does that really mean? That's what we're going to be looking at. I want to lay down a couple of principles first. And these are important that you understand how this works, okay? First and foremost, you will not become a Christ follower by hearing these sermons or teachings. If you are a Christ follower, they will help you to grow in that relationship. Or if you're not a Christ follower, they will challenge you to become one. But listen to this. Discipleship doesn't happen by listening to sermons or watching videos or listening to podcasts 
Those are helpful, don't misunderstand me. But listen very carefully. I am not your discipler. I am a disciple. I am a Christ follower. Jesus Christ is the discipler. We will have experiences that will enable us to encounter him. Encounter him in his word and encounter him in his prayer and encountering him in missions or ministry or service. But you look to him as your discipler. That's important. Because it's not what's going to happen on Wednesday evening here that will either challenge you to be a Christ follower or even make you a better Christ follower. It's going to ha- what happens when you take what's here back home with you and flesh it out as you go. So we'll be talking about practical things that we can do as we leave from here. Assignments, if you will. And if, if I had a small group, I was working with a small group right now, and, and by that I'm talking about oh, maximum about maybe 12, 14 people, then this would look different because we would every day have assignments, and every week we would have assignments, and we'd report back, you know, how that happened, how that worked. But in a large group like this, we can't do that. And maybe the time will come that we can have those small groups dedicated to discipleship. But for now, I want to give you some broad brushstrokes of what it's like to follow Jesus. Jesus is our discipler. I am one of his disciples. But being a Christ follower is who I am. It's what I do. It's how I think. It's how I determine my values of right and wrong. It determines how I vote, how I react when I'm angry. It's who I am. And so understand that being the Christ follower is an identity of who you are. And it determines every aspect of your life. Now the second thing I want you to know is that I have not arrived. (laughs) Paul said the same thing. Count not that I have comprehended or that I have accomplished. I haven't got there yet. I am on the road to following Jesus just like you. Now, I may or may not be a few paces ahead of you. But you must understand that regardless of where you go and who you look to as your model or your discipler, Christ is the ultimate discipler. I am a facilitator to walk with you, maybe a little ahead of you, on this journey as we follow after Jesus Christ. This is important because I didn't know this in the early years when I began to to do discipleship, and I raised up a couple of generations of people that followed me. Well, you know what they did? (laughs) They made the same mistakes I made. (laughs) They wandered off in the same directions I wandered off. And so it's imperative that we understand who the discipler is. Now, having said that, we all do need mentors. We all do need someone who is speaking into our lives and challenging us and pressing us and bringing the word to bear into our lives. And and to that extent, I am your disciple. I am your mentor. I am your challenger to move you forward. And you can follow me, but listen. When you're following me, Keep looking over my shoulder to be sure I'm following fast after Christ. Because I've got feet of clay like you do, and I can get distracted, and I can wander off in the wrong direction. And so as I seek to look after you, I want you to look after me. There's a very good biblical word comes into play here. 
It's called accountability. Accountability. We hold one another accountable. And so, as I seek to follow fast after Christ, you know, you can, you can come on my tail too, but you've got to be watching over my shoulder, all right? I'm using an analogy from football, if I may. You know, that, that halfback or sometimes the fullback is going to take the ball and he's going to run up the middle, but he's going to be following somebody. He's going to be following his blockers. He's going to be following that tackle or whoever that comes before him. And, and uh, he's going he's to watch the back of that person as he's right behind him, but he's going to be watching beyond there. Because at some point, that blocker is going to encounter a, a force he can't get, and then you've got to go around one side or the other. So he's following his blocking, but he's also looking over the top to know where he needs to go next. So this is how I want you to follow after me. Yes, I'm going to have my gaze fixed on Christ, but I can be distracted, I can wander, I can get off center, hold me accountable, but we're all looking into the future to following Jesus Christ. I still have my mentors. I still have people that I follow. But you know, over the years, some of those that I have loved and followed after the most have disappointed me because they've got distracted. They've got sidetracked. They've fallen in some kind of a sin or whatever. We're, we're still reeling here in our Southern Baptist Convention about, you know, some of our Georgia leaders that, uh, you know, have fallen. And many of us look to them as mentors and guides, and this is how you do it right. And yes, we can do that, but we always have to be looking over their shoulder to looking at the one we're really modeling after is Jesus Christ. So he is our discipler. I'm leading the way. We need to learn accountability. So follow means simply to go after, to, to obey, to learn, to practice. But listen, it's not a mental exercise. It is mental, but it's not a mental exercise. It's not just spiritual, though it is spiritual. This encompasses all we are. Okay, I want you to, uh, uh, here's another Bible verse. Ready to go? Get your Bible ready. Here it is. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Let me see a hand. First, okay, right in the back. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Whoop, she lost it. <laughs> there you go, okay. Okay, who had it? Who else has it? Okay, Rick, again. Very good. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, wholly, keep that word in mind for a minute, that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord. We're going to get into some of those distinctions of the spirit, soul, and body more precisely later on. But one of the ways we are made in the image of God is we are three in one. We're one, but we're three. We're spirit, we're soul, and we're body. Can I talk about that just for a moment? We're going to dig much deeper into it later on. But it's imperative that we know, because as we follow after Christ, we follow him with all of our being. So our spirit, what, what am I talking about when our spirit right here? Our spirit is that spiritual part of us that is born again. Uh, the spirit, when we sin and born into sin, dies. 
Let me take you back for a moment into, into Genesis. Uh, the Lord said, you will not eat of the tree, this tree, because in the day you do, you will die. Okay. Adam and Eve, when they ate of the fruit, did their physical body die? No, not, not then. It did eventually, okay? Uh, did their soul die? That's their, their mind, their will, and their emotions, their identity. I'll get to that in a little bit. Did that die? No, they could still think, they could still feel, they could still make value judgments. But some part of them died. What died was their spirit. What died was their spirit. When, in John chapter 3, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, whoa, chill, <laughs> I'm an old man. <laughs> Can I go back in my mother's womb and be born all over again? He said, no, 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 this is spiritual. The spirit goes and blows where it will. Nicodemus' spirit was dead and needed to be born again. What happened to you and I when we came to faith in Christ? Our spirit had died had died because we're sinful by nature and we were sinful by practice. And so our spirit had died within us. But when Christ comes within us, that which is born again is our spirit. Now that impacts our soul and our body too. But this is the part of us that is born again. And so the spirit is the part of us that fellowships with God, through which we pray, through which we sense him speaking to us. The spirit is where we worship in spirit and in truth. This is that, that part of us that fellowships and communes with the sweet presence of God. That's, that's the spirit in a nutshell. We'll get to more of that later. What about our soul? The word here is suke. Uh, that's the Greek word. We would pronounce it psyche. And it's the word where we get psychology and psychiatrists from. And, and suke means soul. And a man's soul, a man's identity is made up of his mind, his will, and his emotions. His thinker, his decider, and his feeler. Okay, We're going to get way into this later, so don't, don't, don't get too distressed about this now. But this is our identity. It's, it's how we think, how we feel, and how we make value judgments, how we decide right and wrong. And so when our spirit's dead, our soul is influenced only by the world, and so we make bad decisions, we have, have, have uh, poor value systems, and so on, because of that. So that's our soul. Our body, okay, hey, we understand that. That's the easiest one to know, okay? That's this kind of stuff right here. Though the body is the easiest to understand, it's also one of the ones that leads us astray the most. And so it's, though it's the easiest to understand it can also be the one that troubles us the most. So how are we to follow after Christ? We follow him with our spirit, soul, and body. All of us is engaged as we follow after him. And so this is what I want you to understand. I cannot impact your spirit. I cannot impact your soul. I cannot impact your body. But our discipler can. Let me tell you, I think differently than I used to. My value system, my sense of right and wrong is totally different than it was. My emotions are so much more under control now. I'm beginning more and more to have the mind of Christ. And, and, and worship is something that flows out of who I am and prayer and such, and it impacts my body. Because now, oh, that's what it means when it says my body is the temple of the Lord. And, and so everything about me, whatever I say or do, is worship unto God. 
So we're talking about something that's not just a mental exercise. It's not just a, a, a warm, fuzzy feeling in our spirit. But our entire identity of who we are is wrapped up in our following after Jesus. So we'll have assignments that have to do with our spirit, that has to do with our mind, will, and emotions, and that has to do with our bodies. Because all of these come together. We're saved in a whole, and we're called to follow as a whole. So let me bring some of this followology together a little bit as we kind of tie some loose ends together. First of all, as you sense tonight, this is going to be thoroughly, thoroughly biblical. Uh, If you didn't bring your Bible with you, uh, bring it with you or bring your tablet or whatever have you like to do your Bible study. Have that with you because we just hit a couple of high verses, but we're going to dig into some of them uh, so deep they bleed, okay? So have the Word uh, with you. Listen to me. God will never lead you somewhere that is contrary to His written Word. So when you want to know God's will about a matter or whatever the case may be, it's always going to be in keeping with His Word. So we're going to base our followology on the Bible, the Word of God. In John 8, chapter 31 and 32, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, he said, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And by abiding in my word, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay? Uh, People like to misquote that verse. The truth will set you free. Well, that's true, but let's back up. Where'd that truth come from? All right? So, that... This will be biblical to the core. Secondly, because it's biblical, it's going to be ethical and moral. Okay, what do I mean by that? In, in John chapter 14, 6, Jesus did not say, I am a way and a truth and a life. That's the way the world in which we live in and want to interpret what Jesus said there. Well, he's a way I can choose that or I can choose another way or whatever. There are three definite articles in that sentence. And if you were to read every word in that original language, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But there's something really interesting about that definite article, the, there. It's not even the one that you usually see. It's a definite article that means one and only. So he said, I am the one and only truth, the one and only life. The one and only way. It's not multiple choice here, folks. And so, we look to the Word of God and to the living Word Himself to help us know right from wrong, to help us make ethical, moral choices and decisions. So this becomes something that hits close to the heart. So it's biblical, it's ethical and moral, it's also spiritual. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 that don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but rather be filled with the Spirit. What does it might mean for my spirit to be filled with His Spirit? What does it mean for me to yield my spirit to the infilling of Holy Spirit? We're going to camp out there. But this is a, a spiritual exercise. It is very much a mental exercise as well because you and I are pursuing what Paul called the mind of Christ. You know what became important to me, and still does? What does Christ think about a matter? How does Jesus think about this? Well, I'm not interested in what you think Jesus thinks about it, or what you think Jesus thinks about it. I want to know what the Word says Jesus says about this. How does, what's the heart of God 
about this matter. So there is a mental aspect where I am yielding my way of thinking to God's way of thinking. There's change that has to happen in my life and yours to be a Christ follower. And then it's also physical. It's also physical. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, chapter 5, 15 and 17, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? So if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and you are that temple. So you see, it's, it's very physical. And though we don't physically follow after a physical Jesus, following Jesus is physical. Because it has to do with what we do with our bodies. And so we're going to have assignments about that. And it doesn't have to do with exercise or whatever. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But there'll be, <laughs> there'll be exercises that we'll do. And finally, it is practical. Followology is practical. All of the, these translate into a practical way of life. It's a way of thinking, a way of living, a way of making decisions, uh, a way of identity, understanding our identity. All of this is wrapped up. And this is the, the point I want you to make. I want, I want to take you to John 21, 22. Just look at it for a minute. John 21. Let me tell you the, the back story to this. This is an appearance of Jesus as he appears to the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. Peter and some of the guys have gone out fishing again, and they hadn't got anything. And they see this fellow on the shore, and he hollers out to him, cast your net. And at some point they realize this sure does sound mighty deja vu-ish all over again, you know. And they do. And remember, Peter, when he realizes who it is, plunges into the water. They come to shore. They cook some fish. Jesus goes through asking, you know, Peter, do you love me? You know, all that several times. And so after Peter is grilled by Jesus several times, he looks over at John. And because Jesus already said, listen, you're, you're going to follow me and it's going to hurt. And so he looks over at John and says, well, what about him? And here's what Jesus says in John 21, 22. If I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. It's all about this. And it's all about me. And it's not how you follow or how you follow or how you follow. It's how I follow. So this is the study of followology. I want you just to paint some broad brushstrokes, get you a feeling of what we're doing, how we're going to set this up. So we're going to, to, to start out really with lesson one next week. This is just the introduction, get you a feel for things. And we're going to camp out around a word and we're going to camp out around a verse that will begin to really Shift your perspective just a wee little bit of how the Lord is going to lead you to follow him.